Good morning. I'm Dan Ware. I am one of the deacons and MC leaders at BC. Uh, today we're going to be going through a psalm, so I'm excited about that. We're going to be breaking from our Ephesians series until the beginning of the year. Um, but today we're going to go through Psalm 122. I am going to have Sarah read it, um, but I'm going to do our kids' sermon first. So, um, kids, where are you at? All right, if I have your attention, I want you to yell, attention! One, two, three, go. All right, thanks. All right, so, I have a story to tell you today, and it's about working on the building. You might know we've been working to do some repairs and stuff on the building the last few Saturdays, and my project was to make the internet a little better in here. So I was running cable, and I, there was a cable that was already run, and I had to track it. I had to figure out where it went, so I started in, in the, the, where the closet is, and then I found it goes over and it comes across all the way through the building, around stuff, and I finally found where I thought it ended. I was on the other side of the wall. I knew it went through the wall here, and on the other side there was a closet, so I had to kind of navigate and figure out where the closet was. Found the closet. It's like, all right, I'm almost done. I flipped the light. Nothing happened. There was no power in the, in the room. So I, well, the light, the light didn't work in the room. So I didn't have a flashlight. I wasn't well prepared. So I looked all over. I couldn't find one. Uh, I looked in all the rooms. But I did find something pretty cool that I could, could use instead. I'm going to go grab it. It was, I'll be back. I found this awesome lamp. <laughs> Look at that. Pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. So I was like, oh, I got a lamp. I can see in the dark with this. So before I left that room, I thought, I need to check something. I need to make sure it's something about this lamp before I go use it. What did I need to check? Anybody? She got That it works, right? That the bulb actually works. Is it going to help me at all if the bulb doesn't work? No, the light won't work, right? If the bulb doesn't work. So I, in the room that I found it in, I went and I plugged it in and turned it on and... <laughs> it had me worried for a second. All right. So, all right, the lamp works. Okay, so I turn it back off. Then I'm going to take it into the closet. So I'm thinking this, this is going to be good. I'm going to find that cable and get done. So took it to the closet. All right. Plugged it in. Found an outlet. Plugged it in. Turned it. Oh. Oh. Oh, no. What, what's the problem? There's no power in the room. So it wasn't just that the light switch didn't work. There was no power. There was all that, all the cabling and all the wires and two light fixtures. And without power, is any of that useful? No, none of it serves its purpose. So in our passage today, we're going to be looking at um, Jerusalem. We're going to look at it the, it's the capital of the people of God in the Old Testament. And we're going to see a picture of how everything is working how it should. So like the, the bulb and the lamp or the, like the power to the room, um, 
God's presence is what makes all of it work the way it should. Serve, the people are able to serve their purpose. The temple where God, um, God's house is, God's dwelling is, serves its purpose. And so in the same way, Christians, whenever we do uh, things for other people, when we serve God, do things in the name of Jesus, if we're truly doing it in faith, then those are things that, that are, we're serving our purpose. Does that all make sense? So, um, and Jesus, to, to give some examples of this, a very simple one Jesus gave us was um, in the, I didn't put the reference. So the next slide here, this slide with the, not that one. Yeah, that's the one, but there's no, oh, there, it's not there. Okay. So, uh, so Jesus said, for truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So Jesus says, if you give a drink to another believer in the name of Jesus, that, that's something. If you do it out of obedience to Jesus and wanting to show love to, to that person, then that is one of those things that you're, you're serving your purpose in the way that God intended. Uh, can you kids think of any other examples, any other things you could do in service to someone else? Like give a cup of cold water? Just a cup of water. Any ideas? What's something you could do for like one of your siblings at home to serve them? What you got? Help clean. All right. Let's go, Marshall. You give them a toy. I'll give some money. All right. What you got? Share things. All right, yeah. So all those things are, are things we can do. And so what I want you to do uh, when you go home or this week, I want you to choose something like that. And if you can't think of anything, do the water, okay? A cup of water. <laughs> and uh, do that and do it because you want to serve another person that you love and do it because you know that God wants you to, to serve and love people. Um, and so we can work on serving God in the way that we're intended. It's like the bulb in the lamp and the power in the room. So thank you, kids. Um, and I'm, so Sarah's going to come up now, and she's going to read our passage. And I like to do the, the kids' sermon first so that it uh, gives us some context to what we're, we're going to be looking at. A Song of Ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There are thrones for judgment. Their thrones were, for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that they be, may they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you give us, um, you've given us such a, a broad and deep um, view and understanding of your, who you are and how you have chosen to interact with humanity. Thank you for revealing who you are to 
to all those who you've chosen to reveal yourself to throughout history and, and that we, um, we stand to benefit from that this morning as we look into your word and, and see uh, what, what right worship looks like, uh, what it looks like when you're, you're present and um, your people are serving you. Um, so I pray that it would, would encourage us and would you apply this to us in the way that, that is uh, appropriate and that really will make an impact um, on the, the world and uh, will make your kingdom more a reality in, in the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so to give a kind of a summary of this psalm and what we're going to look at, um, the psalmist is painting a picture of a state of being where God dwells among his people. His people dwell in unity, worship rightly, and justice goes forth. It's a beautiful picture. But he, it seems like he feels the tension that this isn't a guaranteed thing. Um, looking at the history of Israel and their obedience, this seems like a short, uh, somewhat small window of the, this right worship. So there's a prayer and the feeling of longing that this will continue. And then also an expression that he wants to do what he can to, to contribute to Jerusalem, that this, will, this picture will be a lasting one. Uh, so this is a psalm of ascent. The heading says it's a psalm of ascent. It's one of 14. There are, uh, the psalms of ascent go from 120 to 134. And those psalms were compiled to be recited by Israelites journeying to Jerusalem. Verse 4 says, as decreed by the Lord. And this is probably a reference to the three pilgrim festivals that are mentioned in Deuteronomy 16, 16, which we have a slide for as well. Uh, it's, yeah, so it says every, no, three times a year, your male shall appear before the your Lord your God at the place that he will choose, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, at the Feast of Booths. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of your, the Lord your God that he has given you. So that's probably why, or, or the, the context of the Psalms of Ascents, and this was probably written after the exile, so this is talking about the second temple uh, after the uh, return from uh, exile in Babylon, and this is written for the express purpose of being sung during a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. This is the most pilgrim-sounding uh, of the Psalm of Ascents. So verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. One translation says, I rejoiced in those uh, who said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. So the joy is both in the declared destination and in the, those who are declaring it, that they're going to go. Um, picture a, a community or a subset of a community, just they're, this would have been a big deal to make this trip. And so we're going to do it. We're going to make this, this trip. Let's go. And so the, just the anticipation and all the, the work that it would have involved to, for them to get there. But it was a joyful thing, exciting thing. And they're going to the house of the Lord. And I think it's important to note that this psalm starts off with the house of the Lord, the dwelling of God being the, uh, the highlight or the, the, the jumping off point. Because it, it talks a lot about Jerusalem, but 
it, the emphasis is that the house of the Lord is there. So the motivation is to draw near to God. Verse 2 says, Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. So this is a little confusing on a first read. It seems like it's um, changing tense. It says, let's go into the house of the Lord. Like we're standing next to it. Now let's walk into it. But this is, this is better understood as a reflection that they said we're going to go. Like the journey they've gone. They were standing in the house. They were in the gates of Jerusalem. And now they're, they're home and they're on their way back. And they're reflecting on this, um, this picture, um, this scene that they saw. So it, it's turning our attention to Jerusalem and setting the context for uh, what's, what's coming. Verse 3, Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. So Jerusalem is so significant to, to all of Israel. It's the capital of the nation, the people of God. It's the center of their worship. And the fate of this city um, is tied to the fate of the nation. So if the, if the city is doing well and standing, the nation will stand. And if it falls, the nation will also be affected by that. And it says, a city firmly bound together. So there, there's the idea of structure. You know, it's built. The, the stones are in order. And that is, that's part of the picture. Uh, but there's also the, the idea or the calling to mind the restoration of the Lord. That this, this is the second temple. The other one had been wiped out, had been knocked down. And so God has, has been faithful to bring his people back. And this, it's, it's restored. There's restoration. And also the shalom, you know, the, the bricks being in order is, is part of a picture of shalom. But also the people themselves are are functioning uh, how, how they should. They're serving their purpose. And uh, so this is a picture of God's people serving him rightly. And it says, verse 4, uh, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. So this, is, this broadens the context for who's here. It's not just people that live in the city. It's these are, along with these pilgrims, you know, the whole nation is is coming to God. They're obeying God, and they're meeting together to celebrate Him and to uh, serve Him. Um, and so this broadens that context, um, and I think we get a, a starting to get a little bit of a, a shadow, a, a picture of uh, a future where you know the, everything is working, not just the, the one place, but it broadens out. So um, verse 5 says, There... Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. So when I'm, when I'm reading this and I see, oh, there's judgment now, and there's thrones, like what, what's going on? Um, I think that we, the, the judgment is associated with this right picture, right? So it's not judgment like you're bad and bad things happening to you, but it's judgment, the, the decrees of the Lord, the, the rulings of, of God and God's people in a state of, of shalom and peace is happening. Um, and that, that can only be a good thing, you know, if, if God's decrees are sent forth and they're also heeded, that heeded with a D, um, that's a, only a good thing. And so, let's see. And this also hints at a future rule of God where you know, every, everything God says is, 
is heated uh, that goes out. And as far as thrones, that's also something I don't usually associate when I think of the temple, is that there's thrones in the temple. But that is that was a feature of the temple, and it's also a, uh, something that Jesus referenced, and uh, it, it continues into the future. He told his, his apostles that they would sit on thrones and, and judge with him. And so I love that connection to you know, the, the final realization of God's kingdom um, being uh, broadened and, and expanded for us by Jesus himself. Verse 6 and 7 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. So after reflecting on this, stateful, this state of peace, and prosperous rule of God amongst people. This seems, it's a, it's a cry. Uh, pray that this continues. God, would you rule like this? Let this peace continue, and would you restrain the rebellion and the sin in your house and in your city and in, in your nation? And the prayer itself, prayer itself is an uh, acknowledgement that God is the one that has to, to do it, right? We're turning to the one who the only one who can answer and sustain and, and keep that uh, peace comes from God himself. And he also says he's asking for security, uh, security for those who love you, uh, the walls and the towers. And it's important that we see who he's asking security for, those who love you, those who in this picture are, have their desires ordered rightly who uh, their, their hearts are delighting in the Lord and, and what he wills, may that be secure. So kind of a picture of uh, security from within. Would you protect your people's hearts and their desires and their uh, proneness to turn away from you? And also from without, that the walls and the towers would be secure so that attacks from, from without would, be, um, would not be able to, to gain any traction. Verse 8 and 9 both talk about, uh, for the sake of this thing, would I'm going to do this thing or uh, say this thing. Uh, verse 8 says, For the sake of my brothers and companions, I say, peace within you. This implies that it's not for the sake of the city itself. It's what's in the city that he's um, saying this, that he's desiring peace. It's for the, the purpose of the dwelling of God the people of God and the presence of God being continued. Um, and, and brothers and companions would be a reference to you know, the people he would have been, lived with in his city, traveled with, but also companions and friends. This, this is a broader, this is also people that probably lived in the city and, and you know, abroad in, in uh, Israel. So the peace of Jerusalem means peace for the whole nation, means the rest of Israel. Verse 9 says, For the sake of the house of the Lord, I will seek the good of the city. Again, this implies the significance and motivation for the good he's going to seek is from the presence of God and not from just the location, from the city. Uh, verse, or Psalm 127.1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build labor in vain. This is kind of the flip side of that. You know, Doing good for the city and action and, and work is in vain if it's not motivated by uh, seeing God honored 
among his people. And so he's seeking good. Um, how does he do this? One of the ways is that he prays. And he also you know, petitions the reader to pray as well. And he also seeks the good, uh, probably participates in the commerce, um, community efforts, maybe worked on a wall or something. Um, and this looking for prosperity of the nation and the city. So that is the, the we're through the verses here. Um, and I'm going to, we're going to have a couple application points, but I want to uh, touch on this real quick. I've ta- I talk a lot about the presence of God making the place significant. Uh, another way to say this is um, that the city was sacred. Sacredness is when something earthly is given significance and meaning by the divine. It's the overlap of heaven and earth. So Israel is a, is a great example of this. Um, Deuteronomy 7 says that Israel was the fewest of all nations. And it wasn't because of their numbers. It was because of God's love and his desire to make himself known and, and be present with them that they truly, you know, in history and in, in that time, they became the most important nation. The holy God gave them real physical and historical significance. And this is also true about the things we do in the kingdom of God. Things like communion, we call them sacraments. Um, communion is uh, just a little wafer and a little juice. But when we do it and take it in obedience to God and obedience to Jesus, remembering what it represents, it becomes a, an actual, real, physical, physically important thing. And the same could be true of baptism. You know, it's just water. It's just an action sometimes done to the detriment of the person, you know, sliding out of your hands. But, uh, sorry, Solomon. Uh, but uh, it's also one of those examples of uh, God. It's a simple thing, but it's done in obedience. Like, it's a command given in Scripture. And when it's done, it takes on real significance in our plane of existence. And this also works the other way. So there can be things that we do. There can be systems that are set up um, and services that are set up in the name of the Lord, like under the guise of doing it for God. But if it's not done in faith, if it's not done truly with the, with the presence of God, done in spirit and truth, then it is empty. It's a disordered worship, and it's meaningless. So just wanted to uh, touch on that. And so application... Uh, I've got two things. One uh, is that we should pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we should seek the good of one another. So the second slide here shows the kind of breakdown of those two things, or the first thing. What, what Jerusalem, what does that mean? So first question, do we pray for the Jerusalem, the physical location? Uh, I think yes. You know, the physical location, the people, Jesus himself, uh, who coincidentally uh, was another pilgrim, you know, he would travel to Jerusalem for the, for the feast, Passover, and um, on his way there, he, he saw the city and he lamented over the disordered worship, over the fact that the peace that we saw today in the psalm was not true anymore. And um, so to give, so we can, we can, have that same, I think we have that same reaction to that truth. 
So uh, to give a little more context, I have a picture of the temple, the second temple. It's a little bit more expanded. Okay. Yeah, go back. You got it. You're doing better than me. Okay. So Jesus, Jesus uh, when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Okay, so they, they expli- explicitly did not accept the things that make for peace. And so the picture there of the, of the city, this is a scale model that's actually in Jerusalem, but this is um, close. It's, the temple was expanded by Herod, so it's bigger than it would have been in the psalm, but um, Jesus saw, you know, this is ordered, you know, the, uh, built as a city, bound firmly together. And imagine the, uh, in, the, in our psalm, you know, the, the smoke rising for the sacrifice, the, the people, you know, pouring in from, from the nation. And, you know, it's all like a beautiful picture. Um, and then Jesus sees it. But when he sees it, he also knows that um, it's, not, it's not there anymore, um, that the one to whom all of this pointed was in their midst. You know, they got, got it in the temple, the house of God, but God in the flesh is here, and, and you know, they're rejecting the, the things that make for peace, the actual person of peace. Um, and that, and also he sees, you know, the, the, um, the fallout of that, which is the next picture. Um, the, the picture, it's a depiction of the siege of Jerusalem, AD 70, that this is, um, this is heartbreaking. So this is what I want us to feel like the rejection of the Messiah by the one through whom the Messiah came. That, that's a heartbreaking thing. And so I think that we should feel that way as well. And further, um, most Christians believe that uh, God still has a, a plan for the ethnic group of Israel. Romans 11 references that, that they'll, uh, there's more than likely will be a, a national turning back to God and uh, being grafted into the kingdom of God. So uh, with all those things in mind, we have a, um, the, I think we have ground to, to pray that that would happen, that the, the, the descendants of, from whom all of these promises came, the descendants of the people in the picture of this psalm, that they would see the, the one who makes for peace and they would enter the kingdom through the one way, who is Jesus, um, and that that would you know completes the character arc, if you will. Um, so, do we pray for the physical location, the people? Yes, and as much as we are longing for the presence and rule of and our unity in God to be realized through and in submission to Jesus as King, and accept the things that make for peace. So, second question, do we only pray for Jerusalem, the place, in response to this, to this psalm, and not apply it any further than that? No. Uh, this picture of shalom in Psalm 122, in that context, really was the truest form of God ruling among his people. So that's really important in that time. Uh, we should understand it and uh, let that impact us. But we also know that the curtain was torn that the true Messiah, the true God of peace came, the, the one that uh, is uh, of the throne, you know, of the house of David has come and he defeated the worst enemy. He defeated death and he rose to be the first of a new creation, a new 
building of God um, in, the, in the world. And so um, we should acknowledge that when we pray for peace of Jerusalem, you know, the, the new Jerusalem in Jesus. Uh, he, knocked, he also knocked down the barrier between ethnic groups and threw open the doors of the kingdom. And now the focus of God's dwelling, the place of God's dwelling is in people. It's in humans, which is incredible. Uh, and that, this is fleshed out in um, 2 Corinthians 6, 16. It says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The temple of God really is among men. We are the temple. And the conversion of Israel will be their, their being drawn into the body of Christ, drawn into the true Israel, the temple. Um, and Ephesians fleshes this out, um, talks about God making a new man from the two, from Jew and Gentile. Ephesians 2, 14 through 22 says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us both Jew and Gentile, one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father." So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's amazing. It's incredible. So when we pray, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we're ultimately praying for the final, complete, eternal realization of the salvation and redemption of the world through Jesus, both Jew and Gentile. And so praying for peace itself, what, what does that mean? Um, I think it's a, a longing. Um, it's a, a crying to God, but it's also a longing for um, his, his plan and his redemption to be made real in the world it's a good and right thing to long for the Lord to bring about a restoration and redemption to the whole world. Longing to see disordered worship replaced with right worship. And so we can also, um, praying for peace, pray that the dividing wall between ethnic Israel and the nations would be, continue to be torn down. And just like we, we pray, we have a category for praying for the nations. You know, we have you know, ministry and uh, missionary work to the nations. We should also Pray that the nation, you know, the descendants of Israel, the nation of God would, would turn, um, you know, and, and that God would usher in his final, the final realization and, and a um, full, full-blown version of the psalm that we looked at today. And the second application, uh, that we should seek the good of one another. So one another being uh, one another, other believers, but also potential one another's. Um, and for one another, the psalmist says that he will seek the good of the city, uh, which is the place and the people of God, for the sake of the house of the Lord, for the sake of where God dwells. And through Jesus, the location in, of the presence of God has moved. It's now in the hearts of his followers, which is 
again, incredible. It's nearer than we could have ever imagined. And so we can seek the good of one another for the sake of God dwelling in one another. Uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty awesome, uh, pretty straightforward, but um, we can do things like give each other cups of water. And, uh, you know, just, just the, that's such a good thing to, to realize as we live. I've, I believe our, our body does that. We live with each other. We serve one another. Um, we're in each other's lives. We, we love. And, and to, to do that knowing that we are um, serving, uh, doing it for the sake of the presence of God you know, in each other. Uh, and also, uh, we should be glad when we do this. We can rejoice in those, like, uh, like the verse 1 says, um, who also belong to God. And we can praise God that he's removed the hostility um, and that the city, the, the interaction that we have with one another and um, this building that God is, is, is putting together through Jesus will last forever. The, um, these are eternal things. And then potential one another's, we should see everyone we meet as a potential brick in the city, right? Um, we should seek to draw more living stones into the house of God. And um, that just that I've been encouraged to think about that lately, the, the, the way that we view people who don't yet trust in God as this could be one of these people that, that I have this... Um, mysterious you know, connection with and, and uh, they're drawn in and the kingdom of God is expanded. Another, another dwelling of, of God has been realized. That, that's pretty um, encouraging and, and motivating. So um, that is my sermon. So <laughs> thank you guys. I always uh, am blessed to be, be up here and do this. So um, I feel loved by you. But uh, let's pray. Father, thank you again for your, the revelation of who you are, that you, um, because of your love and because of the outflowing of who you are, your goodness, you have um, created humans, and you've also uh, pursued um, those who you've chosen to reveal who you are to. Um, we have so, so much that you've shown. You've given us such a vast and beautiful picture of who you are, what you, um, what you expect of us, what the results of those things are, and also, you know, if we don't, what the results of the, those things are. So would you, um, as we've seen from your word today, like more of who you are, that help us to respond rightly, uh, that, that we would have the right response and that we wouldn't uh, squander the knowledge uh, and the truth that you show us through your word. Um, and we do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray that um, those who, who are of the line of uh, the, the people that you worked so mightily through um, in uh, the, the work and the history of leading up to Jesus, that they would, um, that they would turn, that you would uh, just, uh, that they would look on the one that, that they have pierced and that, that you would cause that to happen um, to the praise of Jesus and to the, um, the furthering of your kingdom. And, and God, we, we look for your kingdom to be in our, uh, our midst as well. We thank you that your presence is in us 
And thank you uh, for that fact. Pray that, I pray for this body, this body of uh, Believer's Church, uh, that, that we would uh, be a, a fuller picture of what we've seen in, in the psalm today and that, um, that your kingdom would, would be present. Um, and we ask that you would come quickly and that we would see the, the full fruition of your kingdom realized on earth and in heaven. And uh, would you help us to seek the good of each other and to seek to, to uh, draw more um, living stones, more uh, temples of the living God into your kingdom as we um, share the gospel and uh, live among um, darkness. And we pray all this uh, in the name of Jesus. Amen.